Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Chris Velasco for Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. The score was created using a technique called musique concrète. The composers used sounds that were already recorded and then made music out of it from there. Chris will explain, and you'll even get to hear the earliest example of that style of music from the composer who invented musique concrète in the 1940s. Chris Velasco is a big fan of horror, whether it's games, movies, TV, or art. He scored the Hulu show Freakish, you'll hear some of that. And speaking of art, he did an art show with horror master Clive Barker last summer and has written music for Clive Barker's Books of Blood. So you'll hear Clive's name come up on occasion. Clive, of course, famous for many scary things, not least of which is the film Hellraiser. Given Chris's enjoyment of horror, it's pretty great he got to work on Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. You know, I've, of course, like almost everyone, been a, a really big fan of the franchise for many, many, many years. And I got a call from my, my agent, Koyo, and he has been good friends with the head of audio over at Capcom for a bunch of years and has kind of been sort of laying the groundwork to bring somebody on from the agency over to work with them because they've never really hired a Western composer before, especially on the Resident Evil franchise. Hmm. So they're making Biohazard and reached out to him and, and said, you know, this might be the opportunity finally to bring somebody else on board. And Koyo knows how much I, I kind of love horror games. And, <laughs> and I had done some, some previous horror work, of course, so they could kind of hear what I might bring to the table. And and they said, yeah, we think it's a great fit. So they, they hired me. And it was, you know, what an honor to, to come in on this big franchise. Did you score cinematics or were you scoring combat? Talk to me a little bit about what, what you got the chance to do then. No cinematics, but uh, so it was all gameplay. Mm -hmm. And some of it was kind of the more creepy, atmospheric kind of stuff. And then they kind of knew me as, the, it's so funny, it's been so long, but a lot of people still, they're like, oh yeah, that God of War composer. So they kind of knew that that big kind of bombastic orchestral mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. style, and and so they had me do like like some of the the really big kind of boss fights also. Mm -hmm. 
One of the things I liked about the the kind of more atmospheric music is the the really good balance between it being really chill sounding, you know, like like oh, I could put this on repeat for four hours and really dig it, but it's also <laughs> super scary, you know what I mean? So, talk to me a little bit about how you find that balance when you are scoring such a scary gameplay to make it still kind of pleasant to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> and by kind of, I mean very. You know what I mean. <laughs> that wasn't a diss right, in any right. way. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, it's my own special hybrid of relaxation music combined with horror. You know, I always do this thing, I, and I don't know if this is exactly answering your question, but I do this thing that I call unfocused attention when I'm writing. And being a, a gamer myself, like, I get so irritated by bad audio and music that kind of, after a while, you're like, oh my God, if I have to listen to this one more time, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So when I write something, whether it's, it's combat or, or ambient or, or whatever, uh, when I finish the piece and I'm happy with it, I'll just put it on a loop and crank the volume up in the studio and just let it play for like 20 minutes and I'll just walk around and I'll wash some dishes, I'll feed the cats, I'll, I'll do whatever. And then in that kind of scenario, like if there's anything that might pop out as being annoying, it will. And then, um, then I'll kind of go back and, and adjust. And then once it gets to a point where I'm like, wow, I could totally listen to this and it, it's, it didn't bug me at all. I never got tired of it. Nothing was, you know, popped out as offensive and, and jarring. Then I know like, okay, track is done. You mentioned earlier that they wanted that kind of orchestra epic sound. Only for, for parts. I'd say the majority of the soundtrack is is way more atmospheric. They really made a, a big effort to go back to Resident Evil's pure horror roots. The previous games had kind of gone off track a bit from that. And so they were very serious about making this game as scary as possible. And I think that it's maybe easier to do that with the softer unsettling music than like constant jump scares. Sure. The the style that they were looking for was was something that I had only kind of heard of in passing while I was studying music and that's music concrete or oh. music concrete, you know, for us Americans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> so are you are you familiar with with music concrete? Yes, that's uh using pre-recorded sounds to make music. Right, and so they would they would literally like record all this stuff to tape, you know, a lot of electronic sounds. I, I think it started out as a purely electronic medium, but mm -hmm, but then there's mm -hmm. a an especially famous Japanese composer named Toru Takamitsu that was famous for doing music concrete kind of horror scores in Japan. And so I studied his music a lot. But for the people that don't know what it is, it, it's so tons of, of different sounds all recorded to tape. 
You might even take this tape and scratch it and wrinkle it up so that it it becomes distorted uh, when you play it back. And then going through and sort of like old school, like film editing, like cutting things up, splicing them back together. And it just becomes this this weird montage of all sorts of, of different sounds to, to make this one kind of unique style. This is a portion of the earliest example of musique concrète from the French composer who invented musique concrète. This is from the 1948 recording of Five Studies of Noises by Pierre Schaeffer. that's what they wanted for this. Not so much on the electronic side, a little bit, but mostly with orchestra voices and wow. sound effects. Scraping metals or even we recorded some bees in it, like a beehive and, and just kind of weird stuff like that. And then we had a uh, contact instrument made specifically for the project. Oh, wow. So it had everything. As you know, my, my wife and I, we run an orchestra named Cinema Scoring mm-hmm. in L.A. And so we were able to hire Cinema Scoring to record just tons and tons of string effects. That was then taken back to remote control studios and, and edited and mixed. And then that went into the, into the custom library. Then I went into the studio and recorded two vocalists, Chip Jocelyn and Tammy Barr. And we gave them cues like, oh, now we need a sound like you're suffocating, like you've got a plastic bag over your head, or now you're drowning. And, and they would like get a mouthful of water and you know start coughing and <laughs> um, <laughs> up to things like, okay, you're a, you're a zombie pig, but you're dying. And, <laughs> So then we got that, that went into the library, and then, yeah, all these sound effects that were recorded with a binaural microphone, and that went into the library. And so we had this really crazy sound set that we could do this kind of music concrete style with. You and all the rest of the composers? Yes. Oh, wow. So so there's yes, we like all a have real the same, continuity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So even though, you know, most of the guys working on this were in Japan, mm-hmm. we still had the exact same tools that we were using. So when you had all of that before you uh, and and you went to begin, where did you begin? They gave me a, a couple of like kind of ambient cues to start with. And then I'd never written in the style before. Right. And, and half the cues they wanted were more traditional big orchestra stuff. But the others, I was, you know, I would just start recording ideas and then I would kind of almost randomly at first go in and like with a little scissor tool and kind of chop up what I had recorded, kind of mix things around, reverse things. You know, more often than not, it was just, it sounded like total garbage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, but I I really had to learn my way around to the style and then try to not be so avant-garde about it, but try to do it in a musical way. So after you did that, are you do you think you'll write like that again, potentially in the future? I mean, what did you enjoy about it? What was challenging? It was really interesting and, and fun, but I don't really see it as you know something I'm going to pull out of my back pocket too often. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty specific, and I think that 
I kind of like it being just for Resident Evil. So if I get a call saying, hey, come back and, and work on one of the DLCs or, or whatever, like mm-hmm. then yes, that'd be absolutely great to go back and, and revisit that style. But sure. I, I sort of want to leave that for this project and move forward with other stuff. So you're a gamer, as we've mentioned a couple different times now, and a, a horror fan. So I'm assuming you've played the game. Only a little bit. Okay. So no no spoilers, please, because I don't really... I know about the stuff that I did, but yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of the game is still a mystery to me. And I've kind of been waiting to get a, a PSVR headset, and hey. I want to try it in VR, although I heard it's... It's so scary that I may not even want to. As, as you could tell when you've been over to the to the house and studio, like I'm really into kind of dark art. Yes. And you know it's pretty much everywhere. And I did over last summer have the great honor of being able to curate a Clive Barker art show in Santa Monica. And I got to tell you that was just like one of the coolest experiences ever. Like going to his house down into his his art studio where he has literally thousands of giant canvases all tucked away wow. and just spending you know days down there pulling these giant canvases out looking at them cataloging what I thought I wanted to show and then and then putting this this show together we, we called it Clive Barker's Wunderkammer, which is a cabinet of curiosities and okay. it was the first time that a lot of these, these large-scale paintings had been shown in public, so it, it was just the coolest thing. The closing day of the show, it was so crazy, because I went there to see it one last time, and while I, I'm there, I'm told, oh, someone at the gallery's like, oh, you have to go meet this woman. She's the one that, that played Christy in Hellraiser, <laughs> the main you know girl that, that goes down into hell and, and escapes. Yep. and. So she's also an, an artist these days and just kind of randomly heard about this show and, and came to check it out on the last day. Hmm. And then while we're talking, in walks Chris Young, who wrote the music for Hellraiser. Oh, wow. And the two of them hadn't seen each other you know, in years and years and years. So that was really cool to, to get to hang out with you know, the actress and the composer for, right. uh, for Clive's first movie at Clive's <laughs> art show. Talk to me then about Freakish. Yes. So this was an original Hulu show, and it was described to me as The Breakfast Club meets The Walking Dead. It's these high schoolers. They're at school over the weekend for detention. And then, like it often does in, in, any, in small town USA, the chemical plant explodes. So now you've got this weird orange fog that's enveloped the town and it's turning people into these things they're calling freaks that are kind of like zombies. Okay. And you know, it's basically now the the uh 
the kind of drama of the kids that are left in the school and they're kind of dying off one by one. And these freaks are now in the high school as well. And it's just kind of a, what the hell do we do? Like try to survive, get away from these guys and, and how do we get out of the school? And is the rest of the world zombified now? And so hard to get into television for many, many years. And it's, it's tough. It's a tough transition to go, you know, if you're a game composer to then get into TV or film or, or if you're a mm -hmm. TV composer, it's hard for them sometimes to get into film or games or, and it's, there's that whole catch 22 of, well, you can't get a show unless you've worked on a show. And then this is why it's so, so important to just always be cool you know, don't be a dick. And <laughs> because the way I even got this show is that somebody I met through a friend probably 12 years ago was now line producer on this new Hulu show. And I hadn't talked to him in years, but he, he remembered that I was a composer. We used to live right across from each other. And he just messaged me on Facebook out of the blue, said, hey, I've got this show. I've been following your work for many years. Do you want to pitch for it? And so I did, of course, and then I, and I got it. And <laughs> it's amazing. It's the groundwork that had been set you know, in motion 12 years ago. So now that you're doing TV, uh, what do you think of it? I mean, the schedule is so different, isn't it? Absolutely. And that was, <laughs> that was where I can see why people might be hesitant to let someone do television that, that hasn't experienced it before because it is incredibly fast. Yeah. How many minutes um, a day do you think you're working on? Well, for Freakish, I had to write about, I'd say like 18 to 22 minutes per episode. And wow. I had about four days turnaround, but that included writing everything, sending in my first drafts, getting notes, revising, possibly oh, revising again, and then mixing and turning in a final product. Wow. Uh, so it was, it was, um, yeah, I had to tell some other clients because I was doing some games at the time too. It's like, guys, I'm so sorry, but I would never normally do this, but I need to take if you can kind of put me on hiatus on this game for like the next few weeks while I while I do this show, because uh, oh. I I had no time to do anything else. But you've enjoyed it. Oh, I absolutely loved it, <laughs> and we're not quite ready to say what it is yet. But I will say that based on me doing this one show, I actually picked up another one. That's great. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm currently wrapping up my second show right now, and I cannot <laughs> wait to tell you about it. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what it is. <laughs> it's That's amazing. Super cool. so much, Chris. It was great to speak with you as always. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to episode 64 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about composer Chris Velasco at monarchaudio.com and at patreon.com slash level. You'll find a playlist there. 
If you've been on the fence about becoming a patron, now would be a wonderful time to do that. We could use your help. Learn more about becoming a patron at patreon.com slash level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media. Learn more about us at june-media.com. And remember, June is J-O-O-N.